And tell you powers for a king, huh? You just play it cool and tell them power's not a thing. What? You look them in the eye and say, I know I'm not a guy, but see, there's power in my losses and there's power in my wins. Ching. Independent woman looking shower in your bins. They call me cocoa, but a mic, you can't be powder in my skin. Ching. And you don't need to spend another hour in the gym. You know, I'm blinded by his grace, but when you found me, I was dim. We'll be counting down the years, yeah, I'm about this. All them dirty secrets that we share, I'll clear the browsers. We the type to build on our careers and share the houses. You can be a woman. And then the boss and wear the trousers at the same time. Welcome back to the Chris Williams Podcast Hour. And a big thank you to those of you who have continued to support the podcast. I want to welcome our new listeners and let you know I will do my best to keep you around. Our listenership is growing. Listenership. Is that even a word? Anyway, the listeners are growing. So thank you, everyone, for spreading the word. This is a team effort, so I'm asking you to continue to spread the word. I'll always need an audience and need more followers, so I can't say thank you enough. Social media, please be sure to follow the Chris Williams Podcast Hour on social media. You can find us on IG and Twitter at the Chris Will Pod and on Facebook, the Chris Williams Podcast Hour. This podcast features my very first female guest, Taylor Killer B. Starling. Now, she's a mom who happens to make a living in combat sports. And today she's going to share how she juggles a crazy schedule while giving 100% commitment and dedication to both family and profession. It's very interesting and you will enjoy. Now, if you haven't had the chance to listen to any of my other podcasts, please be sure to do so. Now, I can't guarantee you will love all of them, but you will definitely like some of the stories that are shared. And more importantly, you'll probably be able to adapt some of the tips of success from the stories that are told. Now, Taylor Killaby Starling's podcast it reminds me of the dedication, commitment, and sacrifice it takes to be successful in athletics and in life. People always come up to me and ask me, what it takes to be, what does it take to be successful at sports? Or what is it they can work on? And this and that. Now, the f- first response that truly comes to my mind is, how the hell do I know? And why are you asking me? I haven't done anything in so long. I can't even remember. But I wish it was as simple as getting up at 5 a.m. and running 100 sprints or reading a book. No matter what you do, there are going to be certain techniques that you have to learn just to compete. And on average, everybody you compete with, they probably already know those techniques. But just by asking, you are on the right track. Even good to great athletes look for an edge to try to get to the next level. They see something that a peer is doing, and they'll ask a peer, hey, I see you're doing that great. What do you do? But after you ask all that, what comes next is what separates average from good and good from great and even great from super. 
It's where a person's success is either made or forgotten. And it's the same in sports as it is in life. You gather all that great information, whether it be a routine, workout, study guide, reading, or whatever. What do you do with it? Now, you can be given the perfect plan, but if you do not have the dedication, the commitment, the sacrifice, the will, and the heart to, to grind, repeat, and continually stick to that plan, then you will probably be forgotten. You have to work at it. When everyone else is doing the popular thing, you have to decide, do I want to be with the crowd or do I want my talent to stand out? Don't ever get it twisted. We all have a talent. But are you willing to put in the daily grind of work, no matter how long it takes to make your talent stand out? This is the Chris Williams Podcast Hour. Never surrender. Never give up the fight. podcast hour and today we have a talented young lady my very first female guest now she is a combat sports professional and as you will soon hear she will fight anybody now whether it's mma kickboxing bare knuckle fighting or even professional boxing she wants to smoke now on october 24th in greenville south carolina she'll be putting her undefeated professional boxing record on the line when she faces one of the best professional fighters in the world. Now, let me introduce you to today's guest, Courageous Mom, who is blessed with extreme fighting talent and the beauty to match. Please welcome to the Chris Williams Podcast Hour, Taylor, Killer B. Starling. Taylor, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me on, and what an honor. I didn't know I was the first female guest, so that's, that's an honor to me. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. We're excited about that. So so welcome to the Chris Williams Podcast Hour. And like I said, we're excited about having you here, and we're excited about talking talking about your upcoming fight, uh, your career, what it's like to be a mother in combat sports. Uh, this is going to be fun. It's going to be terrific. So thank you for taking the time to be on the podcast and sharing with me. Now, we're oh, all about – I'm so excited. Yes. So we're um... all about story, <laughs> storytelling. So feel free at any time to share any memorable or entertaining stories you have about you, your career, or, or whatever. So you can cut me off at, at any time, all right? Absolutely. So, 
right. So, Tim, let's start this with you telling fans about your background, where you're from, where you live now, and most importantly, how you got involved in combat sports and didn't become a supermodel. (laughs) Um, Well, honestly, it was the ugly duckling growing up. Um, I was a huge tomboy and wasn't really into makeup or anything. I was born in Florida, and I had moved to South Carolina when I was around eight or nine, and then I moved from South Carolina to Albuquerque, New Mexico, where I lived until I was 19 years old, and then I moved back out here, and I got into fighting out here, and I actually started my career fighting in Albuquerque, but when I came back here, I started fighting, and that's when I got pregnant, and then had my first son, and then I got pregnant again, had my second son, and then got back to it. Um, But I started in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I was raised by a dad in the Army who just always taught me not to take crap from anybody. So whenever I moved out to Albuquerque and got picked on and bullied or, you know, if anybody just messed with me, I was always (laughs) ready to bite back. So I kind of got into wrestling that way. And then once I got into wrestling, I wanted to punch people in the face. And (laughs) that really is, that is just really what I wanted to do. I wanted to punch people. Um, I had a really hard time as a kid finding my niche. Like I played softball. My dad really wanted me to be a star softball player. I, I didn't feel like I was really that great at it. I wasn't a great dancer. I wasn't a great cheerleader. I just couldn't find my passion, and once I got into that, and once I punched someone for the first time and got punched, it was just like, here it is. This is my niche. This is what I need to do. That was your drug, right? It was my drug, absolutely. Okay. Now, I I brought up the, the supermodel thing because the first time I met you and had a chance to interview you, uh, you were walking the runway for the Women of the Carolina Fight Life. And I remember how yes. energetic the crowd was when you came on stage, when Killer B was brought out onto the stage. So talk about how you got the nickname Killer B. Oh, um, actually, Lady Tapa. The pro heavy, she's a professional heavyweight fighter and a pro wrestler, and my teammate and best friend. She actually gave me the nickname. They had asked me, you know, what's your nickname? What's your fight name? And like, it's got to be something. And I just said, I don't have one. And one day we were sparring up in Charlotte, and I got out of the ring, and she was like, You are like a little killer bee. You're just like a little killer bee. You just like, for one person's punch, you throw a hundred more. And you're just in there, and it doesn't matter how hard you're getting hit. You're just swinging and just constantly stinging somebody. And I was like, and it just stuck after that. It just stayed. Nice, nice. So you you, you talked previously about wrestling. Now, did you actually wrestle in high school, or were you part of a uh, local community wrestling team? How did, how did you get involved or stay involved in wrestling? I really got into it in high school, but I didn't stick with it in high school I started and then I actually had a family friend who worked at a taekwondo gym that had wrestling and jiu-jitsu and boxing and kickboxing and taekwondo and I went up there and just started doing jiu-jitsu because they're like wow you're really tough like why not do jiu-jitsu too on top of them like all right so I did that and I was just like I really want to punch people I I I enjoy (laughs) jiu-jitsu but I really like punching people more Oh, that is that's a classic. All right, so you like punching people? How how big are you? Like, how tall are you? What's your weight class? 
I'm 5'6", and I typically fight at 114. This next fight is going to be at 118. Um, I have fought at 125, being the heaviest I've fought. I really like to fight heavier just because I'm taller and it's a lot easier for me. 114 and 115 is really pushing it for me, but I can do it. Um, But 118 is going to be good because I've only got 10 pounds right now. I'm 130 right now. Or not 130, I'm like 128, like close to 130. And I can get those pounds off easy. But, yeah, I go from 135 to 114. (laughs) Oh, wow. Wow. So, and again, it's a science. It's a science. Yes, I, I bet. I bet. So you're a mother. So I want to ask this. How do you handle your many male fans? And, like, do you ever have conversations with the kids about getting kicked, punched, or even slammed to the canvas? Um, I'm trying to – it's hard for me because my dad really pressured me with playing softball. So with my kids, I want them to be able to defend themselves. So I talk to them. They're really little. So they're, my youngest is about to turn three next week, and then my oldest is four. And they're just now starting to really comprehend what fighting is. And they love when I hold the pads for them. I'm trying not to push it on them, but I definitely want them in combat sports so that they can defend themselves. And if they so happen to, like, choose to go down that path, I would be really happy, of course. Um, but I wouldn't push it on them. They love it. They love that I do it. Um, it's kind of just like I talk about it, and they're like, yeah, yeah, uh. <laughs> that's really. Or they, say, right. or if they see someone fighting on TV, they're like, "There's mommy," and it could be anyone. It could be men fighting. They're like, "There's mom," and I'm like, "No, that's not mom." That's actually pretty cool that they they just associate the sport, not whether it's male or female, with mommy. That that is actually really cool. Exactly. Okay. Now I got to ask you this: whether it's from an an opponent or a fan. What's the most ridiculous thing that you've had to deal with inside or outside of the ring? Ridiculous. Um, whew. I get really crazy fans sometimes, like really crazy people that reach out to me or just, um, you know, I'm very sensitive and I'm very emotional. So I've had haters, like, write on my stuff just the most crazy, ridiculous things. I've had crazy men write me crazy things. (laughs) That's the hard part for me. Um, That's the most ridiculous thing. Like, I get – I can't even tell you the most ridiculous things sent to me, and I just laugh. (laughs) That's – and, like, in the ring, I've had some pretty ridiculous opponents. I'm actually really cool with majority of the opponents I've fought before. But I've had some crazy ones, like people try to, like a girl try to fight me in the parking lot and uh, <laughs> just, like, crazy, crazy things. There's lots of, there's multiple ridiculous things I could go on all day. All right. Well, again, if you want to share a detailed story, feel free. It doesn't matter what it is. As long as you're comfortable sharing it, we'll listen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but. there's... Uh, I don't the, the crazy things with the crazy fans. I don't know if there's anything like I have crazy fans ask me for feet pictures or just like oh jeez ridiculous <laughs> yeah ridiculous ridiculous is the word for it. All right, uh, all right. Well, <laughs> so my listeners who have never seen you before, I guarantee you they will be excited. She is gorgeous. 
So excuse me, but <laughs> Thank you. Taylor Killer B Starling is gorgeous, and when you see her fight, you'll be equally impressed. So now you compete in multiple combat sports. But like I said, on October 24th in Greenville, South Carolina, you're going to be putting your undefeated professional record on the line, and you're going to face a young lady by the name of Ebony Rivera. Now she's seven and one with three KOs. She's a southpaw. Mm-hmm. So tell fans about this fight and why they need to watch it. Well, I am a very exciting fighter. I live to go and put on the best show. And it's I love the sport of fighting. I love the respect of fighting. I love the discipline of fighting. But when I fight, I love to go out there and put on a show. Like, my goal is to go out there and be like, it doesn't matter if I'm the first show, first fighter on the card or if I'm the main event. I want people to talk about me after they see the show. I want them to go, oh, my God, her fight. Like, that. who is that girl? So every single time I fight, I come to put on a show, and I, I fight with my whole heart just on the line. So if you really like a gritty, nasty battle and are into, a, like, a real scrap, I am the one to watch, and that's why people should come and watch me. I'm very entertaining from the second I walk out until after my hands raise. It's always a show with me, and I take it very seriously, and I fight with my whole heart. So everyone yes, will see did. that, and I love, yes, I love putting on a show for people. Okay. Now, now, when did you realize not just you were a fighter but a, an entertainer? When did you realize that, you know what, I really want to do this as far as the entertainment portion, not just the punching people in the face and getting punched, but being an entertainer? When did that stick out for you? I would have to say after I knew when I started because I'm very I I love I love to please people and a lot of people aren't comfortable admitting that quality about themselves but I really am a people pleaser I love to make people happy whether it's in the ring or outside the ring in life I love to make people laugh and I've always been like that since I was a kid but when I won my first fight like my first TKO win when I TKO'd somebody and people were just floored and coming up to me and like were just so happy with it 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 really fed like it fed it fed me like I was just like I love that I love putting on a good show and there's even fights that I've lost that people are like holy cow you really put on a show and it made me feel good like I couldn't even be upset about the fact that I lost my fight I was so happy that I please people to entertain them and give them their money's worth because without the fans it's nothing without people okay. wanting to come and see you fight what what are you what is it you know okay okay now this fight october 24th it will have fans in attendance so how can fans support you get tickets and if they aren't in the greenville area how can they see the fight all right, so the fight's going to be on pay-per-view. I don't know the link yet, but I will post it. So if you don't have me on Facebook, my Facebook is Taylor Starling or Instagram, TayW Starling on Instagram. There are tickets on eventbrite.com, and you just type in southpawpromotions.com or Southpaw Promotions in the search bar, and it should come up. You can find the tickets on Southpaw Promotions page on Facebook. Um, I'm trying to think if I'm missing anything. I think that's it. But it's going to be on pay-per-view, which if you can't get it on your TV, you definitely can get it on the Internet, like I said. Um, I'll post the link for that. I'm not 100% sure yet, but if you want to get tickets, it's eventbrite.com. And Perfect. 
I'm ready. I'm ready to put on the show. That's perfect. That's perfect. So, and listen, shameless plugs here. We love them. So before we end this, we'll come back to that again, and you can share that information again. But back to the matchup on October 24th. Like you said, this is only your second professional boxing match. Now, most fighters, male or female, with undefeated records, they would not take this challenge so early. So you're only mm-hmm. 24 years old. You have great looks. You're extremely marketable. Why this fight, and how was it made? Did you push for it, or was it offered from her camp, or did South Paul just say, hey, this is what we got? Um, I actually got the offer. I fight. I used to fight as an amateur for this man named Tony Burgess, and he is out of Fayetteville, North Carolina. It's actually his girl, and I'm really good friends with him, which – Side note, this makes me laugh because in his gym is a poster of me hanging up on the wall. So his girl's like, I was thinking she's probably got a target on my head. Um, He reached out to me, and as an amateur, when I fought on his shows, I always had problems finding opponents my size, finding opponents my size, my weight. And he reached out to me, and he was like, hey, um, we have the show coming up. I got a girl that really needs an opponent. What do you think about it? Do you want to do it? And I kind of was just like, eh. And then the next day I was like, you know, I'm going to take it. Um, She hasn't fought in two years. So, you know, she was primed up and just, like, taking people out. I might have been a little bit more wary about it. But she hasn't fought in two years, which I'm not underestimating her at all. Um, That that means nothing. But that definitely was a little bit more of a, okay, well, you know, I I know I can go out there and handle business. And, I think a lot of people don't realize, like, although her her record is great and it speaks for itself, like, I have been on a tear for the past three years, just tearing MMA, kickboxing, boxing. I'm ready for whatever, and I stay ready. And if, like, I just, no matter what, I'm always ready to go for whoever, whatever discipline. I make sure that I am doing everything 150%. Okay, okay. Now, how long will this training camp be for you? How long have you been in camp? Two months. Oh, two months. Okay. I always stay okay. in shape. So. I always stay in really good shape. I always train. But when a fight comes along, it definitely gets amped up a lot okay. more. All right. So the focus changes. It's more about the opponent. The focus and... changes. It's all I think about, eat, sleep, okay. shower, <laughs> drink. Everything is fight, fight, fight for me once the word's well, well, even talked about. Well, since you said that, what, so what is a typical day like now for you since you're in camp? So you have two kids. Oh, wow. what, you, what time do you wake up and what time do you go to sleep? What do you do in between? Um, it sounds like madness, but I actually work two jobs. I work a full-time job and I work a part-time job. So every single day I get up at 4 a.m. throughout the week. I get up at 4 a.m. in the morning. I get ready. I get my kids and we go to school. And then when I drop them off at school, I go to work, and I work 9 to 6 o'clock. After 6 o'clock, I go to the gym, and usually I'm not home until 9.30. <laughs> and oh, wow. then I come home, I shower, I eat, I go to bed, I wake up, and I do it again. Wow. Six days that a week. <laughs> that is a heck of a commitment. And now you talk about the different disciplines, you know, kickboxing. How hard is it for you to transition from, you know, MMA fight to now, okay, I'm fighting a pro boxing fight this time. Is it hard to transition between those two as far as your training and what you have to do, or is it pretty much the same thing? Um, it definitely is different. 
um, not in like the toughness, you know, for me, it's all tough. It's all really hard. But a lot of people I'm sure would think that boxing and kickboxing are not that different, but it really is. Like there's two different worlds. Their stances are different. Your the way you move your head, the way you hold your hands are different. So it's just really, for me, checking over, like, the I check boxes, like, how I'm standing, what my stance is like, how I'm moving my head, how I'm holding my hands. Um, it's different, but it's also not. It's just fine-tuning the things that you do. Honestly, I actually was sparring Keith Richardson the other day, and I've been in this boxing camp, and it was just funny because we were in a cage sparring boxing, and my muscle memory, like, we were sparring, and he got really close to me, and my body's instinct was to throw a front kick. And my knee came oh up. I was gosh. like, whoa. Like, I just barely picked it up off the floor, but I was like, oh, my gosh. I don't even know why that happened right now, but it did. Um, but it's just about remembering what goes where and what discipline and how you react. And Okay. Because I was, was going to ask you if you get in the heat of the moment. Yeah, you get in the yes. heat of the moment and, you know, they get a certain distance and you're, like, you know, trained to, okay, when they're at this point, I need to throw this kick. How hard is that to, to keep <laughs> them doing that? It's usually – it's not hard usually except for every so often, you know, your muscle memory is like, <laughs> oh, this there is how is. I would react. Like, if I'm – like, I'm <laughs> – when I, especially when I'm fighting like the big guys, you know, I'm fighting guys that way, way more than me or stronger than me. And I'm just like, my body's like front kick, <laughs> front kick. But that's the only little time I've ever had something like that happen where my other discipline kind of started wanting to take over, but I'm ready. I'm ready for whatever, whatever discipline. I'm always okay. ready to go. All right. All right. So, you know, you made your uh, pro boxing debut in March of 2019. You talked about the TKO. Tell me about what you remember about that fight, how excited you were going into the ring, and like you said, coming out when everybody's, you know, praising you. What do you remember about that fight? Well, it was my first pro fight, so when I got the word, I was super pumped. I started training day in and day out, super hard. I was ready. And what actually ended up happening was we were supposed to fight that December and my opponent didn't make weight. And this is the one that kind of wanted to fight me in the parking lot. Um, I got to keep money, you know, her purse for her not making weight. So she was extremely upset. And um, honestly, we're friends now. We're, we're, We're cool now. But before, like, going through this situation, like, she wanted to attack me in the parking lot. She constantly harassed me on Facebook. She constantly just wouldn't leave me alone, but I wasn't the one who didn't make weight. I made weight. I showed up. I did my job, and it just didn't get to happen. The commission wouldn't let us fight. So come a few months later, comes March, and, you know, it just kind of escalated. It was very emotional, and she was constantly on me and um, harassing me, and it was really hard for me mentally because I had never had somebody – to that extent, just constantly on my case and bothering me. So it really was just emotional. I remember going out for the first round and fighting like a fool. I fought like a fool because I was fighting emotional, and I went to the corner, and my coach was like, listen, I hope you got that out of your system. Second round, you need to go in there and fight like a fighter. And I'm like, all right. I went in there and executed it and got the TKO. So it was really sweet, and it was just awesome because – 
all those months of just like getting prepared for that fight and it not happening and staying in a fight camp. Like it's hard to be in a fight camp for three or four months, go to fight and it doesn't happen and you have to jump right back into it. There's no break. Like I had to keep going and it was really emotional for me and I had worked such a long time to get get to that point and get to be a professional fighter that it really meant a lot to me. Yeah. And how do you keep from getting burned out in that situation? Because you hear the stories all the time. Fighters, they they get a delay and then it gets to the actual fight date and they've been in camp so long, they're just, they have nothing left and they're just flat. So how do you keep from that happening? Yeah, I've, I've been there before. Um, I want to say around February when I took my kickboxing fight, my, the last kickboxing fight I took, I was mentally drained just not even from fighting but from everything going on in my life that you just have to remember what why you got started. Well, I always like to think of, like, why am I doing this? What made me want to do this? And what would happen if I just gave up right now? And I definitely believe that it's very important to definitely take your time to be a normal human being Um, because that's the hard part for me is when I'm where I'm at right now, mid-fight camp, it's almost fight time. People think you're super, super woman, superhuman. It's definitely (laughs) taxing. So you just kind of got to step back and just really take time to appreciate the little things of like why you got into it, what, what you really love about the sport and why you love doing what you do. And I think okay. that's super important, but I definitely believe that I understand the burning out feeling. Okay. All right. Good. Good. So, all right. So, any worries going into this fight? And the reason I ask because I don't. Hopefully, you understand the magnitude of this fight. Ebony's only loss mm-hmm. was a title fight to a world-ranked opponent. Now, a win for you will catapult you onto a huge stage. So, you know, what what are your thoughts going into this? Any worries? No worries. I am definitely very respectful for Ebony and her career and what she's done as a fighter and the gym that she comes out of. Um, I know that I'm bringing my best. Like, this is the best version of me that everyone's going to see. So I'm not worried at all. I just want some donuts, and that's, I think, the only thing I'm worried about is eating some donuts after I fight, after I win. I just want some Krispy Kreme, and I will be satisfied. Okay, so Krispy Kreme is your Other favorite donut Other than that, no. Yeah, I love Krispy Kreme. <laughs> but I don't, I mean, I get nervous. I'm a human being. I get nervous for fights because it's more so the fact of, like, okay, I'm going to fight in front of a lot of people and a lot of people are watching on pay-per-view and a lot, like, that's more of where my worry is at because it's just like the, the oh, wow factor of, oh, I'm going to fight in front of people. Other than that, like, I really respect her as an opponent. I know she's good. I know I'm good. And we're going to bring it. It's going to be a good show. Nice, nice. Now, you said all that, and I know you're not afraid of the big stage because you fought some big fights and you fought in the glory kicks. Can't even talk. The Glory Kickboxing event. Um, So for those that don't know, Glory Kickboxing is the world's premier kickboxing league. And in your debut, you faced another big-time fighter in Rebecca Irwin, who is a Muay Thai legend. Talk about that fight and the Glory experience. 
Yeah, she's a world champion in Muay Thai, and it was like, I like I said, like this with this fight, I I wasn't worried. I went, but I knew what I was training for. I knew she was going to be tough. I knew it was going to be a great fight. Um, I do remember like going and getting in the ring, and because she's really tall, and I remember just standing in the corner, and she was across from me, and the bell's about to ring, and I was just like. Oh my God, she's tall. I didn't realize how, and I I had weighed in with her, and I had seen her at weigh-ins, and I had been around her, and I talked to her before we fought, and it just never clicked. But once she was across the ring from me, I was like, "Damn, she's big! Like she's really big. Um, she's not big like muscle-wise. She's just really tall and was towering over me. And I was like, "Oh man, what? Like I remember thinking in the corner, like, what did I get myself into?" And, but it was one of the best fights I've ever had. It was one of my highlights of my career because I went in there and I remember going to Glory and we had media day and them asking me, have you ever fought kickboxing? And my answer was yes. I fought kickboxing one time. I fought one time as an amateur and they all laughed at me and they oh, wow. thought it was funny. Like they, like I could tell like they weren't being rude. They were very respectful and nice, but they started laughing when I said that and I could tell that they were like, yeah, she's about to get knocked out. And I was like, all right. It just fired my – it just put the fire in my soul to go out there and put on a good show. And I remember just like, yeah, laugh at me now. I went out there and banged it out with a world champion in Muay Thai. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. You handled yourself very well. So a lot of respect. And you got a lot of respect from the glory world and the kickboxing world. So you did a great job. Thank you. So – yeah, so and I, I recently saw an interview where you're calling out another big name. Um, but this oh, yeah. is MMA, UFC, Paige Van Zant, and I believe she's now yes. signed with Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship. Yes. And like you, she is blonde, a model, and loves to fight. Why do you want this fight so badly? Um, honestly, like you said, it's super marketable. I know I can beat Paige Van Zant boxing. I know I can. She's a phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. I've, I've looked up to her. I've watched her. I think she's amazing. Um, but I know when I saw her sign, I was like, I know I can beat her boxing, especially bare knuckle. I have been in some wars in MMA. I have been in some crazy fights. And I know I can go and bang with her bare knuckle. And it's a super marketable fight. We're both gorgeous. And I, I just think that they would – be absolutely crazy not to sign that fight. They actually reached out to me and they offered me another girl for bare knuckle, but I don't, I don't want it. I want Paige Van <laughs> I just, I'm going to be stubborn and people are like, you're crazy. You need to go prove to them. And I'm just like, no, I have fought really tough people. I have proved myself. It's not hard to go and watch one of my fights online. I want Paige Van Zant or nothing bare knuckle. <laughs> like, that's really it. I, I'll fight Paige Van Zandt and I'll happily stay with bare knuckle if they wanted to keep me and take me under their wing. Um, and I'm super thankful that they even reached out to me with an opportunity, but I'm being stubborn and hard-headed because that's who I am. I really want to fight Paige Van Zandt. Okay. Well, I, I'll tell you what, you will get all my money if that fight happens. <laughs> I will be behind Absolutely. that 100%. So that's exciting. So, so Taylor, what drives you? Um, you're willing to take on these big challenges. You don't blink. When, when fighters say anytime, anywhere, anybody, you're the epitome of that. So what drives you? 
Well, now that I have children, because there was a time I fought when I didn't have kids, and my drive was just proving to myself, like, I can do it. I can do it. I deserve to be here. Um, But once you have children, the game kind of changes a little bit. And what had happened was I had my second son, and I never thought I would fight again. And I got back into fighting, thankfully. I got back into fighting, and it was just that I thought to myself when I was in that position of life of saying, okay, I'm never going to fight again. I had kids. I can't. I'm, I'm overweight now. I've had two kids. I have to be a mom. All I could think about was how could I raise my children to follow their dreams if I just threw mine away, if I just gave it oh, up wow. and stopped fighting. Do you know what I mean? Yes, that, that is huge. So I really thought, like, you know, I'm going to – it's tough. It's hard. I'm, I, I know it's hard for my children to see me fight or to see me with a black eye or anything. It's hard. They haven't been in person yet, but I, all, I could, all I could think about was I can't sit and tell my children as they grow up and as they get older, follow your dream, do what makes you happy if I just did not and I just threw it away. Mm-hmm. So that's what really drives me, and I really just want to get to the top because I want them to see that I, I didn't give up on my dreams and I made it to, to the top. I made it to the best of the best, and that's their mom. Right, right. Okay. All right. So when it's all over, what is it you want from combat sports? And in which sport gives you which sport gives you the most satisfaction and which one if you could say okay at the end I want to be a champion in just one not all of them but just one what would it be that's so hard for me (laughs) it's hard for me because I love them all um and I've recently um even though I've been kickboxing since I was 13 and even though I've only had one amateur fight and two pro fights like I love kickboxing um, but it's hard because there's not a huge outlet in kickboxing. Glory, Glory's the best of the best, and I and I'm there. Um, but for me to be like to get to world, like it's just it's not practical for me to get to the best position in there. If I'm thinking realistically, um, boxing, I would love to do that too. But boxing's really hard. Like if you want to be on HBO, like it's going to be a long journey to get there. I love MMA, but I hate jujitsu. I hate doing jujitsu. I hate training jujitsu. I do it because I have to and because it's very good for me to know it and to have that in my tool belt, but it's my least favorite thing to do as a martial artist. But MMA is where I could see the potential for the, the highest, like getting to the highest and climbing to the highest. So that's where this bare-knuckle talk has really come in because I want Paige Van Zandt because I love to box. I love fighting in four-ounce gloves and MMA, and bare-knuckle boxing is the epitome of everything that I love to do is just brawling, and I <laughs> I don't want to have anything on my, my hands. I want to I wanna have the smallest gloves possible and do that. Like, it's, it's crazy. It's hard to say, but I, but I know how to think realistically and what is realistically the right way to go, and I'm going to say that's MMA. And but bare knuckle boxing is really where I want to be. Boxing okay. would be my top pick, but like I said, it's hard to really get a solidified career at the top as a female boxer. Got you, got you. Just well, like that, if you think may... about it, the the girl that I'm fighting, Ebony, she's seven and one. 
I've never heard of her. I've never heard of her. I've never seen her anywhere. I've never, like, imagine how hard that that she's been grinding, you know, to get to where she wanted to be. And with that great record, I never heard of her until Tony reached out to me and was like, hey. And I was like, wow, she's got a great record. She's a great fighter. But, you know, I, I think marketing and what's going to really make me boom. Yes. Uh, I was just about to say because of how you could be marketed, it, it might be a little different for you. So if you win – I pretty much guarantee you will you'll be the face of female boxing. You really will be. So yeah. You you have the It's not if I win, it's when I win. When you win. <laughs> so I I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So but that opportunity is definitely in front of you. So for those who have never seen you fight, describe your fighting style. And do you have a story to support this is basically who I am, like something you've done in the ring before or even in a brawl somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm very gritty, and like I said, I fight with a lot of heart, and it shows every single time that I fight, even on my worst fights. Like, I fight with everything on the line. I'm going in there to kill somebody. It's kill or be killed when I'm in there. So that's the mentality that I have when I fight. I just want to go in there and bang. Like, I, I live for that. It's not that I get caught in brawls. It's like I love to do that. So I'm a brawler down deep in my bones and um I've had fights where I'm getting my ass whooped um and I just had to really dig down deep and pull it from the bottom of my soul and I even even in the fights that have been the toughest for me I'm still banging toe to toe I'm banging toe to toe with whoever it is and that's the only way to describe it I'm a banger I'm a brawler okay okay all right awesome now, what's been your greatest success so far? Ooh, that's a deep question. Let's <laughs> um, my greatest success has just been getting the opportunity, like just seeing how far I've gotten. Um, I don't want to say on my own because it takes a village. I've had millions of people supporting me, all my fans, all my friends, all my people, my teammates, my gyms. Um, but, you know, there's been points where I felt like I was the only one who believed in me way further at the beginning of this journey and really pushing myself to get where I'm at. And now I'm starting to see, like, I'm gathering a huge following. I have amazing teammates. I have amazing gyms that believe in me and support, and support me. And that's the biggest success to me. That is the biggest okay. success to me is knowing that I really have worked hard and put in that work to get where I'm at. All right. Now, have you had any setbacks that you've learned from, Any anything that, like, sticks out? Like, every time you put on the gloves, you go to the gym, and you're like, okay, i got to remember this, and, and that that's what drives you? Absolutely. Um, I'm going to get super personal here, and I'm not super personal with a lot of people, but um, when I fought in February, I had a kickboxing fight. And right before that kickboxing fight is when um, I – started this whole process of getting divorced and mentally I was not okay and I still fought and trained as hard as I possibly could but I was not mentally okay and then I fought in February and um, when I fought ment with that heaviness on me mentally I lost and I lost to somebody that I should have beat I lost to somebody that I knew that I was better than 
but because I had went and fought mentally, like, in a bad place, mm-hmm. it caused me to lose, and it caused me to go out there and just, I didn't even know where I was at, I didn't know what was going on, I just went out there and fought, and that was it. Mind you, I lost a decision, but still, I just, I fought the worst I've ever fought, and now every single day when I train, I make sure that I am mentally good, make sure that I'm feeling good physically, mentally, that everything's right, and that I know that I'm good and solid, and I'll never fight like that again. Like, it doesn't matter. If I ever feel like I'm not okay personally, I won't take a fight. I won't, like, I wouldn't train. I would just be, I make sure that I'm feeling good in all aspects before that way nothing can be taken from me. Okay, okay. Any Anything in particular that you that you do to try to make sure that, you know what, I, your mental focus is where it needs to be? I always try to take, even if it's five minutes, just me time of, like, it. I could be in my car sitting in the parking lot before work and just, like, get off my phone, sit there for five minutes and just, like, breathe. I just make sure that I have time to just enjoy being a normal human and not fighting or, just just the smallest amount of time goes a long way. Just to take time to breathe and be like, ooh, I am human. <laughs> nice, nice. And and based on the schedule that you get you told us earlier, that's tough to find that five minutes. So, you know, kudos it is, to you but and, I, and God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much. Oh, no, that's not a problem. And then, you know, what advice do you have for someone pursuing a career similar to yours? Never give up. (laughs) Persistency is key Um, for me, being persistent. Um, Always being a good listener and being coachable. Um, If it's somebody who's never fought before, I always say, or anything you do in life, like always listen and always take criticism and just listen and give your best at whatever it is that you're doing. And if you really want something, you really have a goal, persistency is key. I'm very stubborn and I'm very persistent. And I've seen that that works out for me. Um, But most importantly, listening to others around you and listening to your coaches or your friends or whoever, just listening is so important. Okay, excellent. Excellent. All right, I'm going to take some of the heaviness off of this conversation, and we're going to play a speed round. So I'm going to throw throw some things out at you, and you can say whatever comes to mind. All right, are you oh, ready? Gosh, okay. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> it won't be too difficult. All right, first word, boxing. Mike Tyson. I don't know why that's what I said. <laughs> nice. All right, Southpaw Promotions. Me. <laughs> okay. Killer beat. Okay. Getting punched in the face. I love it. <laughs> All right. Now, would you would you rather wear an elegant dress or fight gear? Fight gear. Nice. All right. Would you rather land a solid kick to the face or an overright or an overhand right to an opponent's jaw? Overhand right. <laughs> All right, last one. Ebony Rivera. Loses October 24th. 
That's all right. That's all right. All right. Killer B, you're a savage. So, again, oh, remind listeners you. remind listeners about October 24th and how they can support you. All right. Let me plug real quick. All right. Greenville, South Carolina, South Call Promotions, October 24th. Add me on Facebook, Taylor Starling, or follow me on Instagram, KW Starling. You can get tickets at eventbrite.com slash Promotions or search Promotions. Um, pay-per-view, I'm not sure yet, but follow me on the Internet, on social media, and I will be sure to post it. I blast everything 100 million times before I fight. Um, also, I want to thank my sponsors real quick. I've got Fusion CBD, Carolina CBD Empire, Daniel Martinez Law. I would like to thank Fight Bananas. I would like to thank – who else am I missing? This is where my brain short circuits. Bearded Mother Trucker and – Everybody who supports me and just gives me love every single day, I couldn't do it without my peeps. So thank you all, and thank you, Chris, for having me on today. Oh, absolutely. It is my pleasure. Like I said, you are – I love you. You're tremendous, all right? So well, it's thank you. I love you, too. <laughs> no problem. So it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast, and thanks again for coming on the Chris Williams Podcast Hour and wishing you all the best on October 24th. I'll probably probably be in the building, but I'll see you then. But thank you once again for coming on the show. Thank you. I can't wait to see you. All right.